Thank you for being here this morning. We're preaching through the book of John on Sunday mornings. We're down to John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and beginning in verse uh, 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. I think this is one of the most tremendous statements that Jesus makes in the New Testament in, uh, the, uh, concerning the fullness of the Spirit. I was just amazed and praised the Lord this morning that uh, God put it upon Timmy's heart to sing uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit this morning uh, because it goes right along with the message today and what God wants to do in our lives. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37. Would you stand, please, in honor of the holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Pray with me. Father, thank you again today for the blessings up to this point. And we realize you're in this place, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, do your work and ministry in this place today. May no one see each other. May we see Jesus high and lifted up. And then, Lord, we're even right now, could we say yes to whatever you'd ask us to do. To some in this place today, it's their day of salvation. May they say, yes, Lord Jesus, I'll be saved today. I'll be born again today. For others, it may be a new church home and they're coming to be a part of this church. For others, it may just be coming to this altar and saying, Lord, I want more of you and less of me. Have your will and your way in every one of our lives. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This is the Feast of the Tabernacles, uh, most popular feast among Jews. It was known as the Feast in 1 Kings. It was known as the Feast of Ingathering in the book of Exodus and as the Feast of the Lord in Leviticus. And the Feast here was of uh, Tabernacles was celebrated for seven days. On each day, uh, people would bring fruit and uh, palm branches, whatever, to the temple they would leave the fruit there, and then they would all gather together. The priest would take a gold pitcher, and they would all march down to Siloam's uh, 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 fountain there, Siloam's uh, pool is what the word I'm looking for there. They would march down to Siloam's pool there, and uh, as they got there, they would sing the hill yell, which is uh, in Psalm 118 there, following there, uh, and... Uh, and, and then they, uh, uh, well, before that, let me get back and, and, and uh, to get ready for the feast. Here, here's the catch. They would build a little tent or a stucco, some kind of a lean-to shed or something out in their front yard or maybe on some land that they had. And uh, they would move out of their house for these seven days and move out to that little tent or that stucco. And that was to remind them uh, that uh, the wanderings of their forefathers in the wilderness for 40 years there. But it was also to a period of thanksgiving. Uh, and so uh, they would uh, go down to Siloam's pool. They would get water in the pitcher. As they would come in back, 
They would sing uh, part of that, now bless me and give me prosperity. And then the, the priest would take the altar, the uh, pitcher, and he would pour it on the altar. And then they would all sing also, what joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation? Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Send now prosperity. Now the last day of the feast, they did this seven times. Seven times. So this is the seventh time of the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And they're there singing, Lord, send us prosperity. And Jesus does two things that are unheard of. Number one, he stands up. Teachers didn't stand in that day, they sat. So he stands up. The second thing is he shouted or cried saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirsts. Now he made some claims here that, that they'd never heard before. Number one, he's claiming that he is the source of life. The only person who can quench your thirst is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. I'm the source of life. Uh, he claims to be the source, the water that can quench man's thirst. He can cleanse and purify. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Salvation comes no other way except through Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what somebody tells you today, I'm telling you, get in the word of God and find out salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. He can cleanse and purify. He can refresh Isaiah said, he's the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And that's refreshing. He said in Acts chapter 3, 19, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So he can also revitalize and energize. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So he says, I'm the source. But then he says, I'm also, this scripture saying, I'm the source of abundant life. He said rivers of living water can flow out from a person. An abundant life can be experienced. Matthew 5, 6, we've covered that before. It's blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The death of Jesus is the source of our abundant life. Amen. It, we could not have abundant life were it not for the death of Jesus Christ. Living water comes through believing in Jesus Christ. And then he says, the third thing, he is the source of the Holy Spirit. Rivers of living water refer to the Holy Spirit here. It's a crucial verse. It's the only place living waters is defined. And when Jesus spoke of giving living water, he meant he would give the Holy Spirit to a person. That meant the experience of abundant life and eternal life, both of those things. Listen, Jesus didn't just save you for eternal life. He saved you that you could have abundant life right now. Not just the pie in the sky, but the here right now, right now. Now, I want to camp here for a few moments uh, because I, I think probably uh, in this scripture, it's the most explicit scripture that tells us just one, two, three, four, five, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we need today, folks. That's what we need today, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Suppose you've got $10,000 in the bank and you write a check for $100 and you go down to the bank and you see the teller there, but you, before you see the teller, you get down on your hands and knees and you say, Miss Teller, please, 
I need $100. Please, would you give me $100? I want to, I've got this check signed here. Would you please, I beg of you, please give me $100. You're saying, good, great. You've got $10,000 in the bank. You don't have to beg for $100. Let me tell you, there are millions of Christians today begging for the Holy Spirit when God's already said, I done sent the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. Man, he wants to come in. He wants to fill your life. It's not something you have to beg for. I want to go back to some basics here. Paul talks about the wanderings in the desert of the people of Israel, and he says this, everything in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said everything that happened to them is examples for us. That means we can go back and look at what happened to them and it is an example for us. There are two different definite stages in the life of these Israelis. Number one, there's the crossing of the Red Sea. That was the deliverance from Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always mentioned as sin. It's always. It's a, it's a, it's a sin which Satan has held on to us. When the people of Israel were let out of Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea. You remember uh, they, the, they were told and Moses said, you go and you kill the lamb and you post the blood on the doorpost up there. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over that house. We sing that old song, when I see the blood, I'll pass over that house. That was delivering them out of bondage. So they were led out of Egypt through the Red Sea. That's a miraculous deliverance. Listen, if you've been saved this morning, it was a miraculous deliverance when you got saved this morning and Jesus delivered you. But the second stage is symbolized by crossing the Jordan River. Now, a lot of our songs mess this up. I hate that, but it just happens that way. They talk about crossing the Jordan, going to heaven. Crossing the Jordan into the Canaan land is not going to heaven. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Well, there were giants in Canaan. There are not any giants in heaven. They had skirmishes and battles in Canaan. There's not any battles fought in heaven. The people of God in Canaan, even, you remember when they went up to Ai there and got themselves beat pretty bad, thousands of them killed, came back? Listen, that's not going to happen in heaven. Canaan land, crossing the Jordan River is not into heaven. Canaan land is crossing into the abundant life, into the promises that God has given the people. So you got the Red Sea, which is a salvation experience, and then you've got the Jordan River, which is in abundant life, and then in between those two is the desert, the wilderness, the murmurings, the complaining. Uh, we pass through the wilderness before we get to that second stage, and uh, there, there are two stages in the Christian life. Now, I want to hasten to tell you this. Uh, I'm not one, you know me, to argue over technical things. I just, I don't, I don't, yeah. My fundamental preachers call me liberal, but you've known me for 16, 17 years now, and you know that liberal is not one of my words. It's not. <clears throat> but they think I'm liberal because I won't, I mean, you know, I got pastor friends that if you're not baptized in the Baptist church, baptistry, you ain't baptized. Well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Like the church of the Baptist is the only people who can baptize people. So I want to just tell you this up front. If you believe in a second blessing, I have no problem with that. So, Baptists don't believe in that. 
Well, Christians do read your Bible. You, you, now, I believe, honestly, like Jack Taylor said years ago. Jack Taylor said this, it's not a second blessing, it's the second half of the first blessing. I believe when you got saved, you got the whole load right then. You just didn't know how to use it. Hmm? It was available to you, though. Listen, when you got Jesus, you got everything you needed. You, you, didn't, you didn't need anything else. Uh, but the reason for this scripture that's so important is that the Feast of the Tabernacles was a celebration in the desert wanderings. Mm. I wonder today how many in this auditorium would say, Preacher, I'm in the desert. I know I'm saved, but there's really not much peace in my life. I know I'm saved, but there's really not a great deal of victory going on inside of me. I know I'm saved, but I'll be honest with you, I don't have much abiding joy. There's occasions of victory, but, but you know, it don't take long and you're right back, back in the wilderness there. You know you're saved. You know if you died this morning that God would take you into heaven. But right now, the life I'm living, you'd be honest and say, Preacher, it's a defeatist life. I'm frustrated. I'm defeated. I'm just having a hard time. What, what is that? Over and over in Romans, especially Romans 5, Paul said there's more to it than just being saved. Getting saved is getting in the door, but there's more to it than that. The abundant life is walking inside that door and then begin to live off the treasures that God has for us. I, I wish whew, we could get a hold of that. That's what our country needs right now. That's what our homes need right now. John 16 says the reason Jesus has given the Holy Spirit is so that the Holy Spirit may take what is Jesus and give it to us. See, Jesus is everything. He has everything. Everything you need is in Jesus. Now, let me give you just some suggestions of how to be full of the Spirit. And there are more than this. I'm limited by time. But bless God, in this service, I'm not as limited by time as much as I am in the first two. What a glorious first service. We had four join this morning in the early service there. Tremendous time. So I get to kind of rest a little bit and give you a little bit more detail. Amen? Uh, the first thing to be filled with the Spirit is there's got to be a hunger and a thirst. There's got to be a hunger and a thirst. Jesus says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. That's the first condition. You see, Jesus meets his people at their expectation. You want to know why more things are not happening in church? Because you didn't expect them to happen. How many of you this morning, you came to church thinking this is going to be the day whew, that the Holy Spirit is going to flood this place and we're going to have revival in the house? No, most of us got up, ate our cinnamon roll, dry cereal, oatmeal, well, we got to get ready to go to church. And we come on to church like we always do because we know we're supposed to. Wow. I think most Christians are looking for something more than just what we have right here. And I believe if most Christians in our churches would be honest, they'd have to stand up and say, the truth is I've been kind of disillusioned with the Christian life. I really kind of thought there'd be more. I really kind of thought there'd be something different. There's got to be more to it than this. Now, you can be thirsty for a lot of things. I've seen people thirsty for water. You get water and you, you get quenched. I've seen people thirsty for money. 
and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly that thirst is quenched. I've seen people thirst for impure living, but they get filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly that thirst is gone. I've seen people thirst after material possessions. They believe what they own is what's important to them and yet the moment they got filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly that was quenched. Now I didn't ask you if you were empty. That's a, a, a given. I said, are you thirsty? This last week I put 23.1 gallons of gasoline into my 23-gallon tank. <laughs> I would say it was empty, but my truck never got thirsty. See, there are a lot of folk living in life today who are empty, but they don't have that thirst. They don't have that hunger. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, the first thing you got to do is you got to be thirsty for it. You got to be hungry for it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. The second thing, though, I've jotted down here is you got to come to Jesus. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. Isn't that what the Bible says? I'm just reading it right out of here. If any man thirsts, verse 37, let him come unto me and drink. Huh. It's an invitation from Jesus. The, the significant thing here is Jesus is speaking about the fullness of the Spirit. That's what the context is here. So he says, if you're thirsty, you come to me. I'm afraid a lot of people who are Christians are thirsty and they're going after the wrong thing. Hmm. He didn't say, go seek an experience. He didn't say, go seek a gift. He didn't say, come to the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say any of that. He said, if you're thirsty, you come to me. That's what Jesus said. Come to me. You see, the Holy Spirit is Christocentric. That's a high-dollar uh, theological term that simply means it's Christ-centered. Now, you listen to me. I'm going to tell you something you're not, something you're not going to agree with, but if the Holy Spirit is magnifying anything besides Jesus, it's a fake. Because the Holy Spirit is Christocentric, he must only worship Jesus. He must center on Jesus. We're the same way. We're to be Christocentric. Jesus ought to be the center of our life, of everything we do. I know there's a lot of Baptists today who are scared to death of the Holy Spirit. In fact, they, they ooh, I, I preach a revival here, not far from here, and I use Holy Ghost, and now, I mean, it set that bunch on fire. They say, you can't say ghost in a Baptist church. I said, well, the Bible says it. What do you mean I can't say Holy Ghost in the Baptist church? The Bible says it. People are scared to death. They don't want you to talk about it because of the extremes. Listen, you can go to the extreme on anything, anything. And a lot of people have gone to the extreme on the Holy Spirit. I know that. A lot of people go to extreme on works. They tell you if you don't work, you can't get to heaven. That's going to the extreme. The only thing we've got a reason to go to the extreme on is Jesus. You can never go to the extreme when you're dealing with Jesus because he is everything. He's everything. And then thirdly here, there's got to be an action on our part. I love the way simple Jesus puts it so simple, and I really honestly apologize for preachers like me who made it difficult for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really simple. It's not difficult at all. 
Notice what Jesus said. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and do what? What do you, what do, you do when you come to Jesus? Drink. How hard is that? To just drink. That's what he said. You come and you drink. It's one of the most simplest acts of human life. It don't take any, any special gifts to learn to drink. It doesn't take any special training there. When you take a drink, you appropriate what is there. I was mowing the yard Last week, boy, it was hot. Mm. Even on a riding mower with air conditioning, it's hot. No, I don't have air. I'm joking. <laughs> but even it's hot. I'm just telling you. I came in and sat down uh, in the rocking chair on the back porch, and my lovely wife brought a beautiful glass of ice-cold water. Set it down there on the little table between us. I looked over at that water, and I said, Water, I need you. Come on inside me. That water would not budge, would not move. I said, water, you need to come inside of me. I need you. I'm ordering you. Nothing. But you know when I reached over there and picked up that water and just drank? It came inside of me. Listen, don't make the Holy Spirit difficult. He's the greatest friend we've got. There's no one else like him. He comforts us. Nobody can comfort us like the Holy Spirit. He encourages us. He strengthens us. He tells us. When you go to do something wrong and something inside you, mm-mm, mm-mm. well, who do you think that is? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Got to be an action on my part. Uh, now, let me cover something real quickly because... Already in the first service, somebody said, well, now wait a minute, preacher, you missed that. No, I didn't miss it. You say, well, now wait a minute. The disciples were tarrying 10 days before they, in Jerusalem. And that's exactly right. They were. But they weren't tarrying, praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't here yet. The moment the Holy Spirit came in that upper room, those disciples all split. They left. Now, if they would have been tarrying after the Holy Spirit came, then I could say, all right, let's have some prayer meetings and let's just pray the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we got to pray the Holy Spirit, come in. Pray the Holy Spirit, come in. You don't need to do that. If you're thirsty, come to Jesus. Isn't that what he said? Huh? Isn't that what he said? If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. I'll fill you up. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, we've got to take a stand. Verse 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He that believeth on me. Two Greek participles here. One of them is the word believeth in verse 38. That means continually believe. Continually believe. I don't want to be ugly, but I'll just tell you right now, I wouldn't give you a nickel for all of these once and for all experiences that people have. One of my favorite questions to ask folk is, how's your walk with the Lord today? And they'll say, well, I was saved back in 1951. Well, that's wonderful. That's not what I ask. Is that all you got? I mean, when, when we're talking about spirituality, all you can come up with is that you were saved 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Is that all you got? What about what happened this morning? What about yesterday? 
See, it's a continual believing in Christ. And for some of us, mm, there's, there's one infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can believe it came at salvation or you can believe it came at a second time, but there's only one infilling of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. There are many subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, as mean as I am, it takes 100 fillings a day to get me through the day. Amen. I heard one say, he's going to tell them the truth just like I am. Some of y'all sitting there all pious saying, well, I don't have to be filled that much. I'll leave that alone. I believe there's an initial filling and we're indwelt with the Spirit and then there are subsequent fillings every day as the Spirit fills me. How does he do it? When I come to him and abide in him. That's what the Scripture said. He that believeth on me, continually believing on me. That's who I abide with. Let me close with this. There's got to be an availability. You're not available, it doesn't matter. Mm. Didn't Timmy do a great job this morning? Tremendous. But you know what? With all that talent, if he's not available, it's useless. It's useless. The word keeps cropping up. There, there's got to be an availability. Jesus said, whoever continues to believe in me, out of him shall continue to flow what? Rivers of living water. Hmm. Jesus says the fullness of the Spirit is when rivers of living water are flowing out of us. Now, here's a crazy thing about a river. You can't have a river without a riverbed. And what Jesus is saying here is, if you'll be the riverbed, I'll be the river. If you'll be the riverbed, I'll be the river that comes in and flows out of you. But you've got to be available to him. I want to tell you why some people are always seeking the fullness and never coming into it. Because they don't want to be a river, they want to be a reservoir. They're seeking the Holy Spirit to make them feel good. They're seeking the Holy Spirit so that they can be lifted up. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They want to have their own thirst quenched. I notice here this fellow starts out thirsty and ends up a fountain. And then he starts out needing his thirst quenched and he ends up being someone who can quench the thirst of other people. That's what God wants us to do. Listen, God didn't save you just so you could be saved. God saved you so you could have abundant life and you could become employed divinely by God to reach other people, to be a minister, to be a witness to other people. That's what we need in this country. You want to know why people are running up and down the roads, rioting and all of this protesting and junk? They're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The number one thing in my whole ministry for 50 years has literally been to go to people's homes and them say something like, well, preacher, I just have a hard time getting over this now. They did something to me. They did this, and I just, I can't can't forget it. I can't forget it. Hmm. You know why you can't forget it? Because you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You come to Jesus and you'll forget all about that. I mean, <laughs> mm, 
I wish somebody helped me preach this morning. If, you, if you're sitting here and Jesus is right here in our midst, you think I'm going to be worried about something out here somewhere? No, I'm going to be right there with Jesus. The motive for being filled with the Spirit is not my personal enjoyment. It is divine employment from God, and we yield to him. There are two stages in the Christian life, maybe three if you want to go ahead and count death. When you die, you go to heaven if you're a Christian. But if you're here this morning and you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, there are two stages in your life, two places. You're at one of the two. You're either in the wilderness or you're in the promised land. You're one of those two places, the wilderness or the promised land. And I want to tell you this morning, it's not God's will that we stay in the wilderness. It never was God's will that they even go through the wilderness, not for 40 years. It's God's will this morning that you be thirsty and you come to him and let him fill you as only he can. God didn't intend for you to stay in the wilderness. You're out of possession. Your possession is over in Canaan, over the River Jordan. Everything God wanted you to be when he saved you and has promised you. It's not lies. You've got to go claim it. You've got to be thirsty for it. You've got to take a stand for it. You've got to move in action for it. That's why we stay stuck where we are. And this morning, Jesus is saying, why don't you come? Now, if you're not saved, you're not in either one of those places. You're on a road of destruction. And the first thing you need to do is admit you're a sinner. You can't save yourself, but there's a holy person named Jesus who died, who was buried, and who rose again. And if I trust him and believe in him and ask him to take over my life, forgive me of my sins, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved this morning. That's what many of you may need to do. But also, there's many in this place today I'm looking at that the real truth is you know you're saved, but your life's a miserable testimony for the abundant life of Jesus. Jesus wants you to have joy, peace, long-suffering, all of those fruits of the Spirit. They happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit become evident in your life. And he's saying this morning, come to me. Confess your sins, restitution made, reconciliation. I, I come to you. I yield myself to you. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Maybe today you need a church home. God would say, this is where I want you to be. He don't want you just to be here to sit and do nothing. This is where I want you to stand up for Jesus. This is where These are last days we're living in. Church needs to stand up. We need others who will stand with us. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and pray. Whatever God has led you to do today, would you get your mind off of you just being satisfied? Would you get your mind off of just being a reservoir, a beautiful lake that the Holy Spirit can just hover around you and you can just be blessed?
and get your mind on a lost and dying world out here who's hurting. And Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll make you a river that overflows. Father, thank you this morning for the joy to be in your house to worship you. I pray, Lord Jesus, those in this place today that need to be saved, God, today may be their day of salvation. Don't let the devil talk them out of it. Don't let them move it to a later date. But today, right now, would be their day of salvation. Lord, I pray for others that need to make decisions. I pray, Lord, you know we, we need folks. We're praying, Lord, as you told us to pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest that, that he would send forth laborers. Lord, we need laborers in your vineyard here. So we ask you, Lord Jesus, to send forth harvesters. Let your will be done in every one of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us and this praise team choir lead us? You come. Come on, right now. Calvary covers the My past with his sin and his took on him there and Calvary covers it all far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my That Jesus alone for my sin did atone, and Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin. My guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. The stripes that he bore, and the thorns that he morning and my come to Jesus as I called on his
bow your head. Just as these are finishing up, we'll wait just a few more minutes. You bow your head and be praying. God's speaking to you. Would you step out? There's still time for you to step out and come. We'll wait on you. Sing that chorus with us. We'll close the invitation if no one comes. Calvary covers. Calvary covers it all. said. Amen. Thank you.